1: Yeah, and high on the mountain top, the giant voice rings out, Stay tuned. Oh, what a come down. What a message from me. from the heights of Parnassus. And a tiny figure, tattered and torn, can be seen. Moving across the barren landscape, a giant load being pushed before him, and a sign that reads enigmatically "Will Travel." Anniversaries, weddings, an occasional banquet our specialty. Supermarket openings, by job lots. Honest, reliable, sober, industrious, square-jawed, weak-kneed, lily-livered. Stay tuned, friends. be here until one o'clock tomorrow morning, pursuing what uh, mankind has always pursued in the fashion that he best sees it at the moment. Now, that, of course, has been a problem that many of us have pondered back and forth, this uh, business of what mankind has always pursued. I'll never forget sitting next to my mother's knee. She had this huge, giant, wonderful old granite knee, great old knee had these handholds. I remember standing next to my mother's knee. I was about five or six years old. And she said, Son, always keep your eye on the subject. Well, I didn't know what she meant, of course, you know. But I do remember she had this great knee. So tonight's program will be developed along the lines of Let's All Honor Knees for a Change. We've had enough trouble with subjects and predicates. We've had enough trouble with the, you know, the surface things. We've gone through all the surface things. And it seems to me that we can do something else tonight. We can, uh, it's, it's summer, you know? It's, it's summer, really. And it's too bad that you're listening to the radio. It is, really. uh, We can only but extend our hand in quiet, sympathetic, Goodwill. To those of you who are forced to, you know, oh, look at all this this wonderful time, all this wonderful weather, all all this stuff all around us, and here we sit. I'm here and you're there. I'm in Studio Land. Studio Land has a peculiar kind of sterility about it, which we will discuss later on after 11.15, when we touch upon our sterility portion of our program. And you're out there in Radio Land where things are lush and green, where things grow. Out there where people do things, like send in box tops, answer questions, write letters of protest. You're out there in Radio Land, the real world, the real world. It ever occurred to you that what you have out there is real? What we have here is... This is all artificial, false, ridiculous. All of this stuff. Don't you believe any of it? Any of them? You're out there in Radioland. No, I'm in... Is it which one? That's right, you're in Radio Land, aren't you? Yeah. You see, that's what I mean. All this is unreal, false, sterile. How can I escape? How can I become one of you? Out there. I've heard all kinds of stories about what goes on on the outside. All sorts of... I don't believe any of them, though. I can't. I can't let myself believe them. If I do, all everything I have here will crumble here in Studio Land. Got to cling to something. A few dreams. belief or two. Sean Cocteau said, destroy the dream and you destroy the man. So, you know, I had to hang on a few things. I have to believe that nothing happens out there, but I know it does. All you box top sender-inners, all you people out there in radio land. It's too bad it's the way it is. I'm here and you're there. Ah, gladly would I indeed, oh, but yes. Who's for beach lotto tonight? This is a great beach lotto night was for Beach Lana tonight, about 4 o'clock in the morning. 7,582 people. We might even make the sport pages. Can't you see yourself in the lineup? The lineup. 16 columns long. And there you are. You see, you scored two goals last night at Jones Beach in Beach Lana. Huh. Oh. You see, isn't it pitiful Why I sit here and spin these poor little glass dreams, just plain old oh, play it over again, come on fellas, once again, that's it, play it over we've got nothing but time here, spinning all these poor little idle dreams you know, sort of it's like as if it's a jigsaw puzzle I took a couple of the pieces once you know, it did bring them back I have a friend who has, but uh, you're not interested in my friends, are you? Of course not And that is the secret of it all. You're not interested and I'm not interested. I am not interested in my friends, nor are you. Okay? Fine. Now we're on a good, solid, equitable basis. You don't like me and I don't like you. And it's just as well that I'm here in studio land and you're in radio land. So let us entertain no false notions. I am no good. But, of course, the secret is either are you. So let's not have any of this business here. You know, you keep your opinions to yourself, I'll keep mine to myself. And we'll get this thing going here, baby. <sighs> don't you miss magic? Really? I mean, weren't those the great days when we used to have magic? or am I still insufferable, huh? You people don't know the meaning of the word yet. Yes, isn't this great? Listen to this crowd in the back. What's that? You hear that? You don't always have to say everything you mean, you know. It's this baseman, he's great. You don't always have to say everything you mean. That's where you make your mistake, you know. You always try to say things. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Vitality about this that most of us lack today. Ah, yes, sir. That's my baby. No, sir. No, that's. that's I'm sorry. That's another program. Ever mm-hmm. tell you about the time that I wrote the message on the inside of a Baby Ruth candy wrapper and floated it in a Castoria bottle down the Chicago River? Castoria. Castoria. <laughs> Is there anyone out there who's willing to cry for us now for it? Mm -hmm. Well, no, you don't float anything down the Chicago River. It floats up the Chicago River. You know, they reversed the direction of the Chicago River. They really did. It's one of the mammoth achievements of mankind. Oh, that's great, great, great. Great. Huh. (laughs) That's just the way I feel tonight. Hey, uh, play another cut on that side, will you? And hold it in abeyance. The one, uh, the cut I want you to play is blues I love to sing. Hold it in abeyance there. We use this occasionally when things look the way things look tonight. I, I have this terrible, 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 awful feeling of, uh, it's not really frustration, it's a kind of borderline a case of uh, immense disappointment or something. Here it is, June, it's springtime. It's almost summer, isn't it? 16th, isn't it? Summer will be in four days or five. It's June. And all these people everywhere are stretched out for millions of miles. One after the other, bumper to bumper, sitting there with the radiators overheating. Isn't that a wonderful feeling, though, in the June air? <laughs> it, it is, though. I, I came over uh, the bridge there by Yonkers. I don't know what the name of that bridge is. And I was stopped for a moment. You know, traffic was slowing up and the windows were open in the car. Since it's a Triumph TR3, it was wonderful, you know. I'm sitting there with all this this, this June air around me, and, and I could hear the muffled curses of the populace. Just quiet and muffled. It's a wonderful spring sound. And you could hear them lowing in the bushes once in a while. And it just gave me a feeling of warmth, a feeling of, of Well, almost, uh, well, it's it's the feeling you get from reading Dostoevsky, you know? A feeling of being one of this great mass of humankind all marching to the brink. And it's nice, it's nice and warm to know that, you know, there's this great crowd all on each side, you know, jostling each other with their ill-fitting sport coats, all moving slowly toward the brink and muttering muffled curses under their breath in this quiet June atmosphere. Isn't it wonderful to be alive? Take a deep breath. One deep breath. Now, say after me, it's great to be me. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> you see, it doesn't work, does it? Nothing works. Well, well I wouldn't say nothing. Nothing. Stay tuned for our magic phrase department. Guaranteed to work. Children cry for it. Babies cry for it. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, baby. Can't you see this... Can't you see this queen leaning over your shoulder saying this stuff in your ear, you know? Listen. (laughs) Come on, baby. I gotta finish this hamburger here. (laughs) You ever been in one of these joints where the people walk around the tables and they sing to you? That's a terribly embarrassing thing. I'm in this joint one night with this girl and we're eating a plate of spaghetti and there's this guy that plays his cheap guitar. And he comes over and hangs over the table, see? And he's been eating garlic. And he's playing this guitar and he's doing La Paloma. Sort of a South Chicago type La Paloma. And he's playing the guitar and I, you know, the spaghetti tasted terrible and the La Paloma was awful. And, uh, but you're not again. I can see that. Interested in my... I don't blame you. But can't you just see her? See. Oh, but
0: you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the
1: way I am, baby. <laughs> oh. ah.
0: Love.
1: This Love. You see what I mean? There's a certain hairy vitality about this that all of us lack today. We're, we're kind of poured out of a plastic mold, each one of us. Let us say a polyethylene mold, which is better than just plastic. Polystyrene, for the low-loss types. Yes, sir, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean maybe. Yes, sir, that's my baby now. Baby. (laughs) See, it doesn't work, nothing. You got to wind it up you got to get the key, see, stick it on the side where the socket is and wind it just as tightly as you can. Not too tightly, you'll break the spring. Wind it up. And wouldn't it be incredible if this world actually turned out to be one of these big balls with a key sticking out the side of it and somebody's winding it up? And they forgot to wind it? For the last 10,000 years we were running down? (laughs) There she goes. Yes, sir. That's my baby. what I need. Once in a while, since everybody uh, has the uh, feeling generally that uh, things aren't going well, you know, these kind of uh, eroding, I have a few things that I do uh, for those of you who, I guess it's, uh, no, it isn't a form of uh, positive thinking. It's a form of, uh, I suppose you might say, mental hypocrisy. No, no, not that. I mean, it's sort of a form of. Uh, mental hopscotch. Uh, I have a phrase. Once in a while when things get terrible I pull out this letter that a guy wrote to me a couple of months ago that is headed the office of Gene Shepard. And there's... It it does some great things but it hasn't done anything for me yet. You know what the trouble is, don't you? You know what the trouble is, don't you? I have a feeling of... uh, A kind of a feeling of dissatisfaction with me tonight. No, not with me, really. With the things. Seriously. Here it is. It's Sunday night. What am I doing here? I can think of at least uh, 25 places within a hundred mile radius that I would better and rather be. That would make me a better human being, you know. That would uh, make me richer and fuller. And I'm not so rich and full as I used to be. At all. Oh, no, I can remember the days when I was rich and full and bountiful. But now, oh, oh, I'm reduced to opening letters that guys write to me and have this kind of stuff in them. Somebody sent me 85 package wrappers from the Marlboro people. I had no reason to... Did I ever make any ridiculous offer for people to send Marlboro packages? What was the ridiculous offer that I made? I was going to give them executive positions. I was going to give them executive positions. What what idle dreams was I idly dreaming that night? I was going to give anybody an executive position. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, I guess I know what it is, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll save that later on. This is the best premium you ever got for doing anything, buddy. How would you like to be a big-time ad executive? How would you like to make dough? How would you like to sit at s- Sardi's every weeknight? Just sit there and and all these people are all, all around you waiting for you to say something profound, or at least say something, so that they can all say yes to it. How would you like to be that? Well, if you stay tuned, friends, and smoke 35 packages of Marlboros a day, this could very easily happen to you, because we have this giant free offer of a wonderful position that the ad agency opened for Marlboro smokers. And, uh, anyway... Anyone in his right mind smokes Marlboro's. It's ridiculous for me to even talk about them. I called up the agency the other day and says, look, I don't want to talk about Marlboro's. Why should I talk about the o- obvious all the time? And they said, now you go ahead. Because we want to take over the whole cigarette world. We want everybody to smoke Marlboro's. Drive the rest of the competitors right out of the business. We're ruthless. And I don't blame them because all those inferior brands anyway for those of you who are in your right mind we would highly recommend Marlborough cigarettes and don't forget to save the box tops because these box tops could very easily vault you into a position of All right, stay tuned we'll tell you about our great free offer later on in the program I had that feeling that uh, that comes over me about four or five times a year and it's a it's a feeling of uh, know like you don't care and that is a terrible thing to say in 20th century civilization terrible when i was about six years old i was reading all these fables and stuff you know how kids read story books and fables and and they get told all sorts of advice and one of the one of the things that came out of all this advice was that one of the most admirable traits of man was ambition ambition to get ahead Get ahead at all costs. Well, they didn't exactly say that, but they said you got to get ahead. Get going. And I I followed that for a long time. I was really ambitious. I did all sorts of things. But then it seemed to me that all the trouble in the world came from ambitious people. The true trouble. You know, Hitler was pretty ambitious. Real ambitious guy. He had all kinds of ambitions. And you know, they never said in any of these fables what your ambition should be. Never really what you should, you should just be ambitious, that's all. Like, uh, there's this famous man that I always hear described as sincere. Somebody says, well, oh, I'm so amazed how sincere this guy is. And I said, sincere about what? Well, just sincere, you know? Well, so here I am. I'm ambitious, but I got no way to be ambitious. Nothing to, you know, to try. I got to have a point. I got to have a direction. So, uh, I'm open for suggestions, I'd like to just... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty open for suggestions. Is there anyone out there who would like to be dandled on my knee? I'm in a knee-dandling mood tonight. I'll never forget when I was in third grade, we used to have this game we called knee-dandling. We used to choose up partners and, you know, dandle each other on our knees. <laughs> up and down like that. It was one of the best periods of my life, my third grade period. It's funny thing about that third grade period. Well, it wasn't so funny. I guess it was fairly normal. It was, it, was, it was okay. It was okay. Things were great in those days. Things were great in those days. Not really. No, they weren't. we were pretty crummy, actually. I was terrible in arithmetic. I think we were having multiplication tables in those days. And I formed a kind of mental block against numerical type figures. Not other types, but just numerical types. And since that day, I have not made one cent of money—not one cent. I have deliberately and consistently destroyed myself as I go on this long pathway towards the eternal pinnacle of the eternal pyramid. You know, but then I suppose it's okay on this quiet summer evening. Tonight, let's have a let's have a spill the beans night. I mean, it's a good time to do it since nobody listens in the summertime. And I'm not saying anything in the summertime. We're just sitting here in this quiet vacuum. Let us have a spill the beans. I'll spill the beans tonight, boy. Right out on the floor. I had this friend who was a dentist, and he bought this oriental rug. And he didn't know anything about it. You know, he just bought an oriental rug for his, his waiting room. And it was a pretty nice, pretty jazzy oriental rug. And he put it down, and everything was okay until one night this woman came in with this real bad toothache and she's sitting there waiting for him to come out of his office and she's looking at, at this, this rug. She's following all these lines. You know how an oriental rug looks, you know, with all these lines? She sat there for about five minutes and all of a sudden she saw what that rug was saying. She got up and called the cops. My friend got 30 days and lost his license. Well, you see how you step into this stuff? And with the best of intentions... By the way, it is the best of all possible worlds. Dr. Pangloss will appear as a special guest tonight. For those of you who are interested in in the inner workings of your world and mine, for those of you who wish to enrich your lives, stay tuned. Oh, you'd be surprised at all the wondrous flashes of light that will be yours before this night is out. You will be very surprised. We have messages of interest to all of you. Messages of interest to all of you. You know, it's it's kinda like being in an opium den, but nobody's smoking opium. Yeah, this feeling something should happen, and it isn't happening, you know. This feeling of incipient evil, but no evil. (laughs) You know? know? It's like uh... Yeah. Did you just see this guy out in this opium den with his radio turned on? Just as I say that, he he comes up to one on one elbow and looks at the radio sleepily. That's what's the matter with this stuff. They're selling me phony junk again. (laughs) I already know. So stay tuned, friends. No, I'm not going to stop. You know, it's not that important. So stay tuned, friends and neighbors. We have all these wondrous pictures and things ready for you. seen bargains, but you wait till you take a look at the bargains in your General Tires summer special sale. Guaranteed used tires, three dollars and up. Yankees, eight runs, nine hits, one error. Kansas City, six runs, twelve hits and three errors. The White Sox won a doubleheader over the Washington Senators. Look for the sign that says Miller High Life, the champion of bottled beer, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. It is, too. This is WOR New York. We're giving you a brief period of about 10 seconds just to get calmed down. Isn't that nice? Don't you feel that that wonderful repose coming over you? (laughs) There's a guy out in Yonkers contemplating his navel. It's not a very good place to do it in Yonkers. Let's just sit here for, my, yeah, just for a moment and think. This is our thinking period. Once a week, we here on WOR believe in true public service. Well, no, it isn't that we don't always believe in true public pur- service, but once a week we give you this true public service program, which is a 20-second period devoted to audience participation. 20 seconds of thinking on your part. Come on, think. What are you doing? Don't just sit there. Think. I'm talking to you. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it on so early. I know it's difficult. We should save that for later in the year, this thinking. I'll tell you about a friend of mine who uh, bought a ticket to a thing. This was very funny. Last night at the jazz concert, we had this jazz concert last night at Louis Sheridan. And it was quite a rousing success, I think, artistically in every way. All kinds of people there. And uh, I was standing backstage, and the uh, fellow who was with me was one of the people who was involved in it. And he's peeking out through the through the curtains, you know, through the uh, wings to see all the people out there. And he sees this crowd of about 2,500 people. And he says, you know, when I look at this crowd, he says, I, I I can't help but remembering one of my most terrible things that ever happened to me says, this thing was terrible beyond all, just beyond, almost beyond thinking. It was so terrible. I hate to think about it. He went to a box office here in town, and he bought a ticket. It was supposed to be some kind of a concert or something at Lewis own Stadium. He bought a ticket. He, you know, heard about this thing, and he bought the ticket, and he went down there. And so he got in his car the night of the event, and he drove to the stadium, and he gave him the ticket at the uh, gate and he didn't see anybody around there. He gave him the ticket and he went in through and there it was. You know, the stars were there and it was nice and warm and he went up to his seat and there was absolutely nobody there. He was the only one there. He was the audience. And these performers were up on the stage performing and he was clapping. (laughs) Hurry! 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 And he'd stop. He says it was terrible. He'll never forget that. He says it was awful, awful, awful. Well, I I was uh, and have been part of many historical events myself. You, as a living, breathing bit of protoplasm here in the 20th century, how many pieces of, well, actual history have you been part of? Like uh, if you read of Napoleon's retreat from Waterloo, there must have been a lot of guys pushing stuff and pulling things and griping and pretty mad about everything who were part of this giant milestone in history they didn't know it though they were just mad their feet hurt you know they got shot in the head a couple of times it was pretty irritating it was raining oh what a lousy day for a retreat they're slogging along through the glob well that's pretty much the same way we are here we are we're in the middle of a a tremendous transition period in history A giant transition period We're, we're in the great transition period from the day of man as an individual today to the day of man as a mass, just a giant mass. And it's a, an enormous change that's taking place. And we're all part of it. And each one of us has been part of historical little incidents now and then that will be later recorded and probably already are recorded in books, one kind or another. I, I uh, well, I'll, I'll give you an example of that. One day, I used to have a, a season pass to see the Cincinnati Reds play baseball when I was in Cincinnati. I had a friend who was on the management or something. And so one day I decided to go to the ball game. It was a quiet summer afternoon, just like any other quiet summer afternoon. The only difference was, really the only difference was that I was there, was a quiet summer afternoon. And I went out to the ballpark. I was off. So I had my pass, and I showed my pass to the guy at the gate, and I walked in through. And you know how when you go to the ball game... You go underneath the stands and there's always these guys running around with hot dog cases and guys selling scorecards and that. Well, they were all just sort of standing around. Nobody was shouting, nothing. Just sort of standing around. They had funny looks on their faces. And then I went up the ramp and out onto the field where the seats were. And the ball players were warming up. It was about five minutes before game time. And I looked around and I thought that it was a mirage. Believe it or not, I was at and part of the smallest crowd to ever attend a major league ball game. I was right there that afternoon. There were less than 100 of them. Have you ever seen 100 people scattered over a park that has 40,000 seats in it? It's terrible. You, you suddenly begin to have this oppressive feeling of of, uh, of imminent disaster, that something is going to... We're all going to be... just dis- You don't know. You know, there's this terrible feeling of being alone with the world. The world has receded from you. It's like if one morning you drove out to the Hudson River Parkway in your car and you get out on the parkway and there's no other cars there. And it's the rush hour. And you're out there, you see no cars for miles. There'd be this terrible panicky feeling. Where is everybody? Well, eventually it, it was pretty pathetic. It's, there was a guy sitting out in right field. And there were a couple of guys sitting in center field. and There was one guy on the foul line and left. And then gradually they begin to draw together until pretty soon they were huddled. This poor little pitiful band of humanity was huddled back of home plate. Just huddled back there for warmth from the outside world. And so I was was part of the vast historical movement of mankind toward mass man. That was just one little incident in this great pathway. One little incident. You know, we're all part of this thing, this, this... urge to become part of the mass. I was driving along the Sawmill River Parkway today, and I noticed an interesting thing. You know when you come to the, uh, to the toll gates, where they have all these little signs, flashing signs, they slow up, 10-cent toll and all that jazz. They have about six or seven gates across, all with the green lights that mean these are the toll gates that you go through. Well, I noticed that the cars, there would be 45 cars lined up at one toll gate, and there would be three toll gates not being used. It's the urge to nuzzle bumpers once and twice and against one another, huddling together for warmth against this onrushing. Just outside, the, just beyond, you know, if you look out, look out. Go ahead, look out. Yeah, that's all right. Go ahead and look out. Just look out, see? And just on the other side, there's no telling what's out there. All those dark things. It's really, you know, we're all alone here in this world really, all alone here in this world. I have a friend that sells globes. He sells globes, and they're made out of plastic. They look like beach balls with Asia Minor painted on the top of them. And they're in these gay, wonderful, scintillating, beautiful, non-fading colors. And they're full of air. These globes, full of good old, friendly hot air. And uh, that's probably the most realistic globe that I've ever seen. And I didn't realize it until just thinking about it now. Like a big beach ball full of hot air. And there we are, in beautiful non fading colors. Except that some of us find that we're fading now and again. No, no, you can you can you can stop fading. Just sit there and say to yourself, I will not fade. Say it, I will not fade. Stop yourself from fading. I remember reading a story once by John Codger about a man that found himself fading all the time. And he wasn't a a man who played with dice, either. He wasn't a crapshooter. He just found that he was fading from time to time. And then one day he found that it was pleasant to fade. And after that he got so that he was a habitual fader. He'd just fade out of civilization for a while and then fade back in again when he had to get something to eat and then fade out again. In and out. Just fading back and forth. We might be surrounded by thousands of people who have learned how to fade. And they're not going to tip their hands, you know, because it'd be a terrible stampede toward the exits, if you ever knew, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, they say that mankind's mind is capable of anything. You've heard him say this? I think it's ridiculous, but they say that the mind is capable of anything. Well, let's all concentrate on fading, if, and if we all concentrate, and if we do it in unison, we might make Manhattan fade right out. <laughs> I can see these, these day types sitting there, and all of a sudden it's fading all around. And, hey, what's happening? The file cabinet's fading. Nobody. We've got to have complete cooperation, and so naturally the whole thing falls in shambles. There is no such thing as complete cooperation numb. And that's just the way it should be, you know? If I want to fade, I'll fade, buddy. i go at that. I knew a man who put down roots in a place called Ringling Brothers, Ohio. Put down roots. He stood out in the backyard during this rainstorm one day. Have you ever seen a kid stand out in the rain with his mouth open, drinking the rain? I used to stand out in the backyard in Chicago when it rained and drink rain. And I'll never forget the day that it it rained seven-year-old Kentucky bourbon. You you know, (laughs) it's the greatest rainstorm I ever experienced. It was one of the turning points in my life. I came in and my mother says, What? (laughs) Why would you get the dough for the licorice? (laughs) The licorice. Then I fell on the kitchen table and began to sing old barracks ballads that I learned in second grade. But, uh, oh, about this guy. Yeah, he stood out in the backyard one day and then he found that... In the rain, he found that he was taking root. Little tendrils were shooting out of him. Little roots were digging down. And he found he liked it. And so today he's an oak tree. He just stands out in the backyard now all the time. He has a nest of tent worms in his hair. Kind of poetic in a way, my dear. It is in a way. Can't you see him standing out there with those tent worms? Every every little living thing is entitled to his work, is entitled to his way, is entitled to his place in the scheme of things. Speaking of the uh, scheme of things, you realize, of course, that our basic scheme here is to uh, sell you Marlboro cigarettes, Triumph TR3s, Needic, schmidic, Double Beatic, Pipkins, all, all these things, this is our basic scheme and I've been employed by a cartel to cleverly, in one way or another, you you, you follow the scheme? Well, the first thing that we're going to have to keep in mind in connection with bettering ourselves, wouldn't you really seriously... Now, come on, friends. Come on, viewers. Seriously, for a minute. Come on, seriously, friends. All right, seriously. Honestly, now. Wouldn't you rather... Be a better you, really. Now, don't don't try to brazen it through. Uh, yeah, I know how it is. everybody bra. Oh, what do you mean? I, I'm a great me? Oh no! Come on now, don't be silly. There's nobody here to tell. I'm not going to say anything. And I, I I admit it. See, that's one thing. I admit it. Why don't you admit it? Wouldn't you rather 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 be a better you? Now, come on. One of the best ways I know, friends, to become a better you is to establish a few resolutions, a few rules for living, a, a modus operandi, and one of the best rules for living to really create a better you. Why don't you try it tomorrow morning? Start smoking Marlboros. You'll be surprised how all those shingles will come off, all those... You know, those those places where the, where the moss is beginning to grow, all this stuff will go within two or three days if you, of course, smoke Marlboros. Hey, you, did you see the new thing they've got in the Marlboro package? I, I was shown this thing. It's real clever, and I was, I was shown this little device by a Marlboro smoker. They have just got out on the market with this thing. I have never seen any other package that has this in it. And if you have the old Marlboro package, I'm sorry... The new one is very, very... There's a very clever thing. When you open the top, you know, they have this flip-top box. But when you flip the top back, you'll notice right under the top, underneath that uh, kind of a gold or silver foil that's inside, there's a thing. And I will not tell you what it is. but it comes as a surprise. I always have this, this feeling whenever I open any kind of a package, a vague disappointment when I find what is supposed to be in the package in the package. I'd love to open a package of Wheaties and find it stuffed with ten dollar bills <laughs> or open up a package of Marlboros and find that it's, it's uh, stuffed with thirty two caliber cartridges or something but it's always Marlboros which is great you know it's just, I mean when you open a package I guess you want Marlboros but not always not, but uh, try it sometimes friend make it a better you for tomorrow Ask for Marlboroughs. Hello? Hello? He's gone. Let's try another one. Hello? Yes? I just... Uh, the only reason I'm, I'm talking to you right now is that I want to make sure that we're making contact with Radioland. Are you out there? Is it coming through clearly? Fine. How are, th- how are things in Radioland today? I see. What, you enjoyed the show last night? I'm very glad. That was a big $2 worth, wasn't it? The line at the soda machine. No. The line at the soda machine. What soda machine? No, I didn't see that. So then the gag fell right through, didn't it? Yeah, well, that's the way with gags. Well, listener type... You, you keep the flag flying out there in Radio Land. Yeah. And I'll keep unreality going here in Studio Land, yeah? Yeah, ho- yeah, yeah. You got home at 6 in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> you had to avoid your father who was going out for a clean-limb game of golf at 6 in the morning, and you were coming home from a jazz concert at 6 a.m.? You saw him pull out the car, so you hit under the hedge, eh? <laughs> Pretended you were a groundhog, eh? <laughs> well done. Well done. That's one of the things. Hold on. He's touched upon a very, uh, a very important part of uh, 20th century life, and that is the part that we call protective coloration. Protective coloration is extremely important in our life. It's, it's much it, Actually, it's more important than it was in the days of the cavemen. I mean, you know, the guy had a club. He'd go out and sock something on the head, and that was the end of it. Once in a while, he would blend in with the weeds, but only when great necessity demanded that he do that. But we are in the weeds all the time because we find it better down here in the weeds. Now, our protective coloration takes many forms, many, many, indeed, forms, many forms. Now, you look at me. I am not at all what I appear to be. This is merely a mask. This is merely a mask that... uh, more or less covers up the real me that's underneath. The real me is a saber-toothed tiger. I couldn't dare go down the street the way I really am. I'd get shot in five minutes. They'd have me in a wagon with a bunch of Doberman pincers or something. And uh, it's sad that we can't be what we really want to be. What we really, what would you really, de- really seriously, if if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would you do? What would be the real you? It certainly wouldn't be what you're doing now and being what you are now. Oh, come on. What namby-pamby. You have sold out yourself. You have sold out yourself to accept what you have. That's ridiculous. How silly. For heaven's sakes. Might as well admit it. I, I admit it. Why don't you go ahead? I, I um... But then, um... Uh, Did I tell you about the time that I got this Meccano set once for... Christmas, you know what a mechano set is? All these little girders that you put together with... uh, This is not for girls. They don't know what mechano sets are. This is a boy-type comment, or an ex-boy-type comment. I got this mechano set for Christmas, and it was a mechano set. Now, in our neighborhood, again, like every other neighborhood, we were loaded with social symbols. Our neighborhood judged a man by many things. And children were judged by many things. One of the things that we were judged by was the serial number of our Gilbert chemistry set. You know the chemistry sets? Well, if you had the little Model 3 chemistry set, you were way down the scale. But if you had the giant tabletop number 17 B, you were, of course, a man among men. Well, this mecano set that I got was a little Model 2C, which was the small non-motorized Meccano set that had three little girders and two screws and one bolt. And all you could make was a model T-square out of it. I got a book that says how to make a model T-square with your Meccano number 3C set. So I made a T-square and I was done. And, uh, you know, I began to see. Our neighborhood had all kinds of social symbols. One of the social symbols that has almost completely disappeared from American life but at one time, which was a very important social symbol, is the ice card social symbol. Do you remember the ice card they put in the window when you wanted ice? And this guy would go past with the ice truck and he'd look up and see what number you had. Well, these were square cards for the benefit of those of you who uh, have grown up during the electronic period. Uh, they were square cards. And on each side of the card, on up on the, you know, sort of printed around each side of it, were... were Big numbers there'd be 25, 50, 75 and hundred, meaning pounds of ice. and whatever number you had up in your window, that was the number of pounds of ice you got. And in our neighborhood there, you, the the, whole, the families were judged by the by the pounds of ice they'd get. And I remember this poor, pitiful little family down at the end of the block that, that never had over 25 up ever. We used to, you know, you had that terrible feeling. And once in a while we would send them down like uh, boxes of old Kool-Aid and stuff like that for holidays, kind of little charitable things. And no one would say anything. they just put it on the front porch and leave it. I, I was from a middle-class family, which was a 50-pounder. That was a good, solid, middle-of-the-road type family in our neighborhood, a 50-pounder. And the first house in the next block lived this kid whose family was a 75-pounder. A 75-pounder. Have you ever seen a, uh, an Iceman go up the front porch, or the back porch, rather, with a 75-pound chunk? It's a magnificent sight. Magnificent sight. Here's a family of stature, solidity. And there was the rumor that went around our our neighborhood all the time about the family. About six blocks away, there was a 100-pound family. It was just a sort of a legend. It's a legend, like... You know how people say, I know a guy had five Cadillacs. What's well, a legend? He didn't really know that guy. He just liked to say he knew that guy. We didn't really know anybody who got a hundred-pound cake of ice, but we like to dream or feel or think. It's, you know, it's like the Paul Bunyan legends. That's how Paul Bunyan grows. Same way. It's the same thing. Nobody ever knew Paul Bunyan. You know, going out chopping down 65 trees with one swipe of his axe. And that. But they like to think there was somebody who could do this. You see, we, we like to create men bigger than men. We like to... This is the whole basis for Greek tragedy. Tragedy bigger than human tragedy. And that's pretty much the basis of, uh, of all of drama and literature, to create bigger people than we are. And that's how we created this 100-pound family. There never was a 100-pound family anywhere. I, I doubt whether there ever existed any. And the only reason that they put this 100 pounds on the... On the confounded card was to keep us in our place, this ice company. Let us know who sold the ice and who bought it, you know? You gotta keep the reins. But it was a wonderful dream. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a dream of, well, it was a dream of gods among men. Of a, of a mastodon among mice. That hundred pound family. See, that's a, it's it's a you, you just have to look at it the way it is. You can't you can't fool around anymore. You can't you know you can't flub around. You got to look at it the way it is.